everybody. I'm Tom Vessel. Hey, everybody. Good morning. It's Rotto. And we are here. We are awake. It's morning, right? It's morning for both of us, actually. I slept until <laughs> yeah. 9 o'clock. That's so late for me. Um, How? When did you go to sleep? I went to sleep at 3. I, I ended the live solo marathoning. I'm not a solo gamer. Um, at uh, <laughs> Yeah, you only just do you know 10-hour long solo marathons, but you're clearly not a solo gamer. Clearly. Um, I, I went to... I was done at 2.15, I drove home, and I'll tell you what, I was just really wired. So it took a while to fall asleep, but then I, I slept. Alrighty, well, folks, we have a ton to go through today. Um, and that's, be, that's, that's all Rado's fault, hands down. Hello. We were going to go through these one at a time, but he wanted to do all auctions in one episode. So we just need to get right into this. We're going through game mechanisms, and auctions is a big one, and here we go. So... When you go to Board Game Geek, they have we are we're we're, we're going to ignore the auction we talked about last time, auction dexterity, which is just throwing stuff at the board. There's like yes. two games that do it. So they have here besides that one though, there is one, two, three, four, five, six. There are seven auctions, um, and we're going to see if these seven cover all the auctions, and then we'll come back and talk about our favorites. So the first one is Dutch auction, and so this is. A single bid system where it starts at a high price and goes down. Have you ever done right. one of these in real life? No. I, I don't have. think I've ever done an actual auction for anything in real life, quite frankly. I did this at a board oh, no, game. No, except that's not true. All the time. eBay. eBay is an auction. I imagine one of these mechanisms is an eBay mechanism, which we'll get to shortly. Yeah, I did a Dutch auction in real life, and it's really stressful as a bidder. Because you like, I, I went and I got Chinatown. This was, I don't know, 15 years ago. I went to one, and they're like, $100, $99, and you're sitting there going, okay, I can take it anytime I want, but maybe I'm paying too much for it then. Yeah. So a lot of games do this, though, in a, in a uh, less stressful way, where essentially you can buy stuff, and it gets cheaper each turn. That might not even be auction. It's like just decreasing prices. Well. Well, what would be the difference between that and a fully properly implemented Dutch auction? Um, meaning that... Well, Dutch auction happens right now. Oh, the, the game will not move on until the auction is resolved. As sure, opposed I to, guess so. Oh, prices just go down off things that nobody buys. Right. Right. Okay. Then there's this, a variant here called Dutch Priority. This is a multiple lot auction in which prices are determined based on the number of bids placed on the lots up for bid. That doesn't make any sense at all. But um, you need to pay the current prices, which are equal to the number of bidding tokens there. Uh, this is from Spiekerstadt. I, I, okay. I, I understand now. This is from yeah. There are pick. literally four games in the entire database with this mechanism. Official. Yeah. I don't even know if this is an auction. Uh, so I played. I haven't played Spiekerstadt, but I play Jorvik, which has this in Same it. Same thing. And you put a guy out and you say, I'm going to buy this. But the more people there, the pricier it gets. So then if I don't want to buy it, I take my guy off, which makes it cheaper. So the second guy might get it for a cheaper price. It's a really clever mechanism. It really yeah. is. I, I like it. Um, I never thought of it as an auction, though. Did you? No. Oh, no, no. I, I think so. Um, I mean, I, I I don't think – I don't remember if I played Jorvik. I did play the original Spikerstadt, which – It's the um, same game. Jorvik just adds another half. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, those little meeples you're putting out there, they are bids. It's just a really weird 
auction um, that gives you a lot more freedom and a lot more flexibility. The fact that, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I put my bid on here. Okay, I'm going to walk away from this now. Um, and all I was doing here was just trying to make sure you had to pay a bit more. Um, but, the, you know, I, I have less risk because I can pull myself out any time. Uh, it was definitely interesting. I remember both Jen and I thought, oh, my God, we are just messing with each other in the biggest way in this game. It's it was really so, mean. Yeah, it was so full of, oh, yeah, we both know how bad you want that. I'm really going to make you ruin yourself to get it now. And that's the whole game is constantly finding ways to do that. And, uh, yeah, so it, it was it was not a keeper for us. But I did think, well, I mean, it's a Stefan Feld game. Of course it's brilliant. All right, so those are two more obscure. The next one is Auction English. I and should this... say, the, the original Dutch auction, I'm actually surprised that's not more common because that is pretty cool. It a is, really it interesting is. way to flip the script. And there are tons of auction games that come out every year, and they all follow... Whatever the fourth or fifth one, you know, the, what we traditionally think of as a board game auction. I would like to see just just throwing out there more publishers doing this. Um, you know, creating that uh, that sense of drama. Oh my god, everything's so expensive, and you know, going down instead of up, just for variety's sake. All right, so this next one is weird because they have auction English, and then they there's only one game listed underneath this one. It says an auctioneer asks for bids of a certain amount, and then players will hold up a handle or call out. And then they're permitted to adjust the increment, usually by shouting out the actual bid. And when a certain amount of time no increase occurs, it's clear no one wants to raise the bid. The auctioneer declares the high bid is winner. This is what we would consider, I think, normal auction. This is what you see in movies. And why this, is there only is, one? There's not only one game. Monopoly has this I, in it. I, I actually played a science fiction game within the last couple of years that did it. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is like a real movies auction, which makes it pretty much pointless in a two-player game. It really um, kind of lost a lot of its luster. Sure, although there are games, uh, Lost Cities uh, Rivals comes to mind. You do bid oh. against each other in that game with money. Um, oh, there are great two-player auction games, make no mistake. The the thing I'm surprised about this, you're right, I mean, even if this, there's more than just modern art, there aren't very many of them. more than, well, Monopoly is the biggest example. And does it do an English auction? Well, if you don't, if no one buys a property, you auction yeah. it off, and it just yeah. people shout out stuff till someone does it. I I was just gonna say I'm surprised this this one isn't more common as well because it would it speed it up so much. One of my biggest problems with the traditional form of board game auctions, which I'm sure again is still one of the other five or four that we have to look at, is it can go on for quite a while. Oh, I raise one. One, 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 one. Can, can we just cut to the chase? Can somebody just get to where they're ultimately going to go? Do we have to do this dance that will end up taking a five minutes of just everybody incrementalizing in turn order, very important, as opposed to, hey, just just open up the bidding. Let's just do this. We've all seen the movies. We, um, Yeah, maybe whoever's running it can't do it. Hey, oh, you know, we can't do that stuff, but just let's get it going. So I'm kind of surprised this isn't more common as well. I just think that one hasn't been filled in more, that's all. All right, then we got auction fixed placement. This is where you move stuff on the board. Uh, so they, um, this one here, Amon Ray, Vegas Showdown, uh, Stockpile, Homesteaders. Yep. Uh, let's see, it says all four. They didn't put Stockpile in here. Stockpile definitely does this. There are a few other games that does it. Amon Ray was the only game that did it for the longest time. 
mm-hmm. and then Vegas Showdown, and that's where they have specific things. And this also speeds up an auction because you can't yeah. do many things back and forth. And sometimes the rules are different. Like in Vegas Showdown, if someone outbids you, you have to go to a different auction. Or is that Amon Ray? Amon Ray, you have to go to a different auction, I think, mm-hmm. if you're outbid. Sometimes you can go to the same one. Yeah. Uh, homesteaders of these ones that they mention is, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it is one of the best board game auction games of all time. Uh, you know, it's absolutely fantastic for a couple reasons. One, the nature that uses really good effect, this way you call it, fixed placement, because, um, yeah, I, I can't just bid whatever I want. I, you know, I have to go in this incrementing list. Oh, okay, well, I could go to three, but I can't go to four. The next is five. And then the next one after that is nine. And the next right. one after that is 15. I, you know, I don't want to do a little baby incremental because then, I mean, if somebody outbids me, I'll have to make such a huge super jump. So it encourages and incentivizes bigger bids right from the get-go. I think that's a huge improvement over traditional incremental auctioning. But the other thing, which doesn't get any ref- mention here in, um, for homesteaders at all, that makes it so amazing is the way they implemented two-player auctioning, where there are um, multiple things we're bidding on. Oh, and I remember you hate homesteaders for this reason, don't you, Tom? Because the design of it is, no matter what, in every auction, there's always going to be one player who gets left out in the cold and gets nothing. Yes, I really dislike that, actually. Yeah, there's <laughs> four players. Okay, there are only three things up for auction. Somebody gets nothing today. Somebody goes. See, that's one. why I Although, like. Although to be fair, you do get a consolation prize of working up the railroad track. Oh, whatever. It's garbage. It's a garbage. Can get much more prize. powerful the more you lose out. But here's the thing: homesteaders is a two-player game introduces a third bidder. Um, it's just an automated bidder. And by default, when you first set the game up, that everybody knows that third bidder is going to bid uh, at five. For this item, he's going to bid five. And we know that. And hey, if I want to beat him, I just got to go to seven. Um, and, and easy peasy. And then I got to worry about you, Tom, the other player. Uh, and, and by the same token, if I don't care about it, I bid for the other thing because there's multiples. Um, everything's cool. But the interesting thing is, if that automated bidder wins... Next round, his bid will drop to the next level, to three, I believe, um, which replicates, oh, he doesn't have as much money anymore because he spent five previous turn. And, and he's happy he got what he wanted. On the flip side, if he gets outbid, then next round he will automatically jump up to the next level, to the seven or the nine or whatever it is. And everybody can see that's happening. It's an incredibly simple mechanism that is just implemented so smoothly and seamlessly. And yet does what so many auction games need. It introduces a viable third party, so it's not all zero-sum, and I love it. I can think of one game, I believe Fleet, which was all about auctioning, ultimately introduced that same idea in one of its expansions for two-player bidding. And uh, I, I just... I just All game designers who are considering putting auctions in their games needs to go look at the two-player implementation for Homesteaders, because it is magnifique. Uh, some of the comments mentioned also um, Five Tribes has this in it for bidding for a turn order. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and um, Cyclades has this when you bid on the gods. And Patch History has this. So it's in more games than mentioned here at Board Game Geek. Spoiler alert, this is probably my favorite way to bid. Yeah. Hands down. Uh, I just like the idea of the fact that the, the auctions aren't going to take forever. Yeah. And you have that it, it just makes you think a lot more about each bid. You know, because if you're willing to bid fifteen, but you only go on ten and someone else bids fifteen, that's it. You now have to bid twenty. Yep. So you gotta yeah. you 
Is that, like a, is that a pretty common thing for all of these, that there are those incremental increases? You know, it's 1, 3, 5, 9, 15, well, 30. Well, only for these games. Of, uh, yeah. I mean, just the, just a few that are mentioned. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it is beautiful. It really streamlines things. It makes everything so much more tense, although it is not my favorite of these mechanisms. All right, the next we have is Once Around. Which is the favorite of my mechanisms. Well, there's actually two ways to do Once Around. Um, yeah. One way is where you go around the table, and the person who starts the auction gets to go last. Sometimes that person has to go first. And sometimes I think there's even a game where you can go first and last. You get two bids, the person who starts up the auction. Um, or you're auctioning something, and then you can buy it yourself for the final price of what the final person bid. I've seen that before. Um, a lot of games use this one. A lot of games. Yep. Uh, the once around. It, it keeps it from going – it keeps an auction from going on forever. And it makes it a terrifying and tension-filled experience because you get one shot. So you have to pay attention to everybody. You know, usually this is accompanied by not knowing exactly how much money people have. So you have to take an educated guess about you know how high might they go because you want to go in as low as you can while keeping everybody else out. And um, I love it. My favorite auction game of all time is Pelopenes, and that uses this to a magnificent effect. That, oh, here's all these uh, new Stone Age technologies we can get, and, oh, man, we both know I need that one. If I go for five, though, if she outbids me with six, oh, my gosh, I can't outbid. So, um, you know, again, it just incentivizes people to bid super high, although that's incredibly dangerous because if I misjudge, and, I, okay, well, I'll go for six, and my, my opponents, oh, okay, well, I'll just get this other one for one then. Um, you know, so it creates such huge swings, really huge drama in a very, very tight package. I, I think this is definitely the best way to go. Um, yeah. All right, then there's auction seal bid. This is hands down the most controversial bidding method, um, I think, because some people hate it and other people love it. And that's oh, basically yes, what we call this secret is, bidding. This is typically referred to as blind bidding. All right, blind right. bidding. Where everybody yep. puts out a certain amount of money, it's maybe it's in your hand. Sometimes it's behind a shield. Um, I guess there are other ways. Sometimes it's a card you put out, and that says how much yep. you're going to bid, and then you reveal them. Where it's really contentious is where you pay the money whether you win or not. Uh, oh that, my gosh! That really what designer thinks up. that's a good idea. Alberta for in what obviously. universe? <laughs> um, and and other ones. Sometimes it's 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 a weird way to pay. You might pay um, you might pay some half your money or something or whatever. There's, but but for the most part, this definitely this blind bidding. And there's a game uh, Revolution, for example. You bid everything blind behind a screen and then reveal it and see what you've bid on all the different properties. And there's there's games like that where you're putting things on spots. Yeah. I tend to like this, although a bad player can ruin this. This one yes. is very player de dependent. So that some players are like, oh, I don't care. I'm just going to put out all my money. And you're like, well, dude, you just messed up everything for everybody. Yeah. And actually, that's, that's – Yeah, you're not just ruining your own game there. You're really just throwing off the entire game. That's actually a problem with auction games in general. We'll come back to that where somebody can really throw them off. Yeah. All right. I think there's one more auction. Well, actually, before we go on, though, with sealed – I mean, so I do have something to say about sealed auctions. I hate them. My wife and I despise them. And I believe your podcasting partner in crime, uh, Eric Summer, feels the same way, right? I don't I think he despised them. Sam hated them. Sam, oh, was this? Okay, Sam yeah. hated um, them. Because, uh, you know, 
yes, of course, they create a lot of drama. You really need to be able to read the room and, and read the mind of somebody so you know you're just not left hanging. But, I mean, I, I think blind bidding, in our experience, pretty much leaves everybody, leaves the winner feeling terrible and the loser feeling terrible. The loser, because I really needed that. I had no idea you were going to do this. And the winner feeling terrible um, as often as not, because, oh, I put out eight, and I could have got this thing for three. Yes. I bankrupted myself for no reason. So the tagline is, the auction which makes everyone feel bad. Perfect. <laughs> However, I'm going to throw a game out here. I don't know. Uh, I don't think it's actually come out yet, but I covered it when it was on Kickstarter. And uh, it's from Scott Alms, and I was blown away by it, even though it's just like a little afterthought in the game. I think you played Almanac, right? Yes, I like Almanac. Yeah. Uh, Almanac, at the end of every round, there is a bid for who will be first player going into the next round, and first player is a pretty big deal in this game. Yes. It is blind bid, simultaneous reveal, but to me, it feels more like mentioned earlier an ebay auction because it's blind bid simultaneous reveal tom you really wanted it bad you bid nine i bid four and sam bid three so you clearly won you proved you were willing to go distance do whatever it took to to win this auction you don't pay nine though you pay four you pay the next highest bid sure i like that a lot but i still think some people would have a problem with that because uh, again so you're almost out of money right so it's it's me versus Susan, and Susan bids five, and I bid ten, and you're like Susan, you you should have bid higher, you should have made him pay more, but because yeah. she didn't think of that, she gave it to me for a cheaper price. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, yeah. That that's going to be the case as well. But I, you know, when Jen and I were playing this, that was one of our favorite things about this. Oh my gosh, we were really enjoying this. Um, one because you you don't feel like an idiot for winning. Um, but you know, and a, a player who's like, I don't really want this. It does become a much more interesting and weighty decision. How hard can I push this number without risking winning it myself? Which of course is, I think, one of the coolest things about blind bidding. You know, that uncertainty principle. But I mean. I don't know. You've bought stuff on eBay, right? I assume everybody does what I do, which is snipes, literally in the last 45 seconds, right? I actually, I've had so much of a problem with that, that I have not bought anything on eBay probably in a decade that wasn't a buy it now. (laughs) Because I just want to pay a price. Mm -hmm. Uh, Auctions sound fun, and I... But even in real life, I I guess more in real life than in the game. In real life, I want to buy something for a certain price. Yeah. And so I'll go in. Oh, that's worth thirty. I'll pay thirty. It's not. Uh. Okay. Um. And then you're then you end up paying more for something than you meant to because you get caught up in the auction. And eBay was the same thing. Sniping is. It is what it is. I mean, I don't think that's much of a problem with sniping because again, if I am bidding on eBay, I just put in the amount of money. But I don't like if I bid fifty on something and the bid is twenty on eBay. Yeah. And then I come back and I end up paying forty nine because people just pushed it all the way up to whatever my bid was. And that's there's oh, also manipulation. Like well there's also manipulation too. Where people will have someone else bid. Nah. I just like buying. Oh my gosh. That never occurred to me. It definitely happens. Really? Yeah. Synchronized bidding. Well, you can you can go yeah. in there and yes. I've been doing it wrong all these years. You're saying all right, I need the, to get Jen on the other computer. The last last <laughs> one here. No, I'm talking about the person selling it. Has a friend of theirs bid up the thing, 
Oh, of now, course, eBay, of course. Yeah, eBay, yeah, will, yeah. eBay will bust you if they catch you doing it, but they got to yeah. catch you. All right. Yep. The last the one last is one, hands down the most popular path is what I would is what standard board game auctions are. Yeah. This is what ninety percent of them are. Power grid. You go around until everyone passes. Now there are variants of this. Sometimes they allow you to bid the same amount. That's not fun. Yeah. Because then it's like three, 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 four, 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 four. Yep. I also believe in these. These are player oriented, and I personally, when I'm playing these games, I'm gonna do my eBay rule, and I'm gonna bid pretty close to my max, or yeah. at least if you know, if we think that it's worth, let's say the the power we're playing power grid, and I want something, and and I think ah, the auction's gonna go to eighty, I'm not gonna bid one. Right, I'll start with forty or something, and if you bid yeah, forty-one, yeah, yeah. I'm going to jump to fifty-one. We're not going to play this tinker toy game back and forth. Now, my question is: two freedom and freeze. If you're watching right now, I mean, obviously, I would say Power Grid is probably the most well-known implementation of this. I mean, maybe not the number one game on the list. I didn't sort, but surely, I mean, I guess all the train games. It's pretty standard in Martin Wallacey train games to do this kind of round-robin bidding for first player as well, I think. I mean, you see this in a lot of games. Under what circumstances is this in any way superior to either once-around bidding, so you just cut to the chase, and everybody feels that tension, and it's much more exciting and dramatic and not ho-hum-inducing, or if you really want to have all this incrementalism, why, Tom... Uh, can't we just all do, what was it called? Was it the British auction? Why aren't British auctions allowed? Why can't it all just be real time? Let's just go. Um, Let's not, uh, wait, 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 you know, round, round, round. Oh, let me count my money one more time. Oh, let me do the calculations one more time. Yeah, okay, I can go up one more dollar. There's, oh, there's kill a couple, me now. There's a couple um, negatives with real time. If two people okay. shot the same bid out at the same time, who mm. was first? Uh, you can have ways around that. And sometimes when there's limited money. So, for example, for sale, you have $13 or $13,000 okay. to spend on that. So I don't mind it going around a table to people run out because it is a little bit closer. And if someone bids three, that's a big deal. And in, that has a unique mechanism where the winner pays all their money and everyone else pays half because you bid to stay in the auction. So they're going around the table makes sense. And sometimes... I, I find myself dissatisfied with a once-around auction. It depends on the okay. game, but sometimes I'm dissatisfied, especially if I'm the first person to bid. Mm. You're like, ah. Oh, that was actually a very interesting point. Eight. On the first auction, I think this is the first time since these descriptions all came from you know Jeff Engelstein, he actually put a cautionary note to any designer in the description. Um, although this helps shorten the auction, as increasing game length is a pitfall in, of including auctions, it strongly favors the last player to bid, as they know what their winning bid needs to be. So the designer needs to take care to balance properly. I agree. Um, yeah. Um, and there are, then, again, these are just some major auctions. There's ways, or, there's different ways around it. There's games where you can go around the table and you can pass and then you're out. Sometimes you can pass and come back in, yeah, which yeah. can make the auction go on forever. Mm -hmm. I prefer, I honestly prefer when you pass, you're out, yeah. right? Um, <sighs> I would just honestly prefer not needing the pass because, I mean, again, um, that's a fair point for the real-time auctions of, I guess, players 
needing some kind of arbiter if they feel they said the same thing at the same time, which is why I guess in real life you actually have that auctioneer doing all his mumbo jumbo gobbledygook up top. But yeah, I, I mean, okay, yeah, I'm interested. You started to say that you have been left unsatisfied by once a while or once a round. Why? Sometimes, like I said, sometimes I'll, I'm not really sure what the sense of the room is. When it goes around multiple times, I can kind of feel things out a little. Well, mm-hmm. once around can be more stressful, which it's meant to be. So it comes yes. to me on the second bidder. First person bids four. I'm like, well, six, but I'm probably they're going to go higher. So how high should I go? And sometimes I found that these once around bids take as long as going around multiple times because you sit and think a lot longer about your bid. Hmm. I mean, the way I approach it, it's what you were talking about earlier with eBay. I decide what is my ceiling for this. You know, or, or, or what will I not go? And now I have to make the calculated decision. How much lower can I go from there? Which is, you know, contrary to the end result of a, everybody bid one. Now everybody raised by one. Everybody raised by one until one by one people drop off. Um, and yeah, I, I, I find that much. And, and the thing is, I would imagine even in a situation like you described where you were disappointed by the outcome, you can't blame the game. You have to blame yourself. I mean, you realize it was your mistake. Well, let me ask this before we, we go on any farther for our listeners. Is there any kind of auctions that haven't been mentioned that, that you feel like should be there? Or maybe because I don't know that I, I might disagree with Jeff and the people making this. I don't think one game is enough to add a category for. Um, <laughs> and again, I feel it's really weird that modern art is the only one for that auction thing. And I know that's not true. I know that. And it's in also other modern art was in almost every type of auction. <laughs> it's flagged as all of them. Well, that's true, though, but that's because modern art does have four different auctions in it. Oh, really? I've never played it. Oh, yeah. In modern art, there's four different auctions. There's a secret one. There's the once around. There's the free open. And then there's a double auction, which, yeah, there's just four different ones. Wow. Uh, Let me see here what people, the small world auction. Okay, so in small world, you buy a property and you leave money on the ones you didn't take. I don't, I don't, that's not a... That's not an auction, actually. Yeah, that's definitely something. That feels like a mechanism, but it needs its own name. Yeah, that's very similar to what we were saying before. When you don't buy something, prices decrease. And I bet it all get out that that's in this mechanism list somewhere. (laughs) Um, Revolution has three power levels of bidding pieces, someone mentioned. And that's true, (laughs) where there's force, there's blackmail, and there's money. And there are other games where you can bid multiple things. Keyflower is a good example of that. There's yes. Three, oh gosh, the auctions in Keyflower. There's three are different amazing. currencies of sorts that you can bid on different things. And never mind the fact that what you're bidding with in Keyflower is your workers in a worker placement game, and um, they're not just going into a pot. Uh, you know, there's the potential that they are getting transferred to other players to be used on future. Everything about Keyflower is so brilliant. Now. Auctions are not necessarily a favorite style of mine. I like them okay. I find mm-hmm. that they put a lot of onus on the players, and a bad player, modern art is a good example, a bad player can ruin modern art. Wow. Um, because in modern art, the, it's all money at the end of the game. So if I put up something and you go crazy and you bid a high price on it, I get all that money, and I could win because you just decided to go insane and bid high. Mm. Um this, oh, someone mentioned here, this, this is an auction that's not mentioned. The auctioneer names the price and the first person to take it. That's Oh, uh, well, that, that's, that's uh, Dutch, though, Isle right? Of Sky. Isle of Sky does that 
to good effect, where you're, you're saying the price of what you're willing to pay for it, but everybody around the table has the options. Oh, is that what you set the price for? Yeah, I'll buy it for that. And then you end up getting the money. Uh, Castles of Mad King Ludwig has that too. I don't know that's an auction. You're just setting a price for something. And if no one buys it, then you're forced to buy it for that amount or you have the opportunity to buy it for that part, amount. I mean, that is effectively an auction where I'm making the first bid and anybody could beat my bid by matching my bid. Now, there's one type of auction that I really prefer. It doesn't matter how the auction is handled. It's how it ends. And it's in um, Trump Fabric and it's in a few other games where the amount of money that you bid is split between the other players. I'm oh. a big fan of that. It doesn't make any sense, um, you know, <laughs> real world-wise, right? You know, that's mm. not how auctions normally work. But I like that because uh, it means that if you keep losing auctions, you will eventually win one. That's cool. Yeah, I can't do that. This has got to be up. Yeah, consolation prize for losing an auction. That's pretty in short supply, isn't it? Yeah, that's the some some auction games have a problem because rich get richer. So you win the auction and you get something that gives you some more money. So you're more likely maybe to win the next auction, and pretty yeah. soon I might be so far behind it doesn't matter anymore. Um, and I like auctions. I again the home center thing you mentioned that's that's kind of the opposite. I like uh, Vegas Showdown for that same reason. I'll get something. It may not be what I wanted. Yeah. It may not be what I wanted, or I'm sorry, I'm in right. It may not be what I wanted, but at least I got something. And I feel better about auctions like that. There's a lot of games that do that where they'll say there's six cards. Okay, you go first. You bid on the, we'll bid on it until you win the card. Once you've won a card, you can't win anymore. Yeah. And there are some games where you can win multiple things and one person gets nothing. And that always bugs me a bit because it's not fun to be the person who got nothing. Yeah. I'm surprised you actually like that because you normally don't like that when someone well, feels that's, bad. I was, I was actually just thinking about talking about this. Um, a lot of people are surprised when they see that Keyflower and Polyphonies, two very strong, very cutthroat games, are in my top ten games of all time. And the thing is, auctions are, I guess, strictly speaking, a pretty cutthroat mechanism that my wife and I can enjoy because – at no point in these games am I reaching across the table and taking food out of your mouth. At no point am I you know, coming over there and kicking down your sandcastle. Everything that's on auction is potential. And um, be because there's that, there's that disconnect from you, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't really feel I'm being quite as mean and brutal as if I'm literally stealing stuff that you have already invested in or destroying things you've already invested in. I am creating a circumstance where you have to invest more than you would like, but it's, is there something about that that kind of frees me up to not feel dirty or mean inside because I'm doing that? Because I feel to a certain extent like I am serving the purpose of the game. You know, I, I'm not doing this, um, uh, you know, for any reason to, to ensure market forces are in play because it's inefficient for me to let you get stuff for, you know, below market value. So I guess I just feel bad, though, when I, when I get nothing. Up is just officiating a fair market value that you will then ultimately pay. Yeah, and here's the know, crazy sometimes thing. Sometimes it's not fun. I'm telling you, I've played in games where there's lots of auctions and I come out and I'm like, I got two things and you got seven. Yeah, and yeah. I just feel like, eh, and it. And it I, I was gonna say that one thing that bo both my wife and I do, uh, since we pretty much only play with each other, is if we're playing Polyphonies or Homestays or anything else, and Jen makes that opening bid, 
and she does it in a cheeky way that, oh, I'm going to get this for three. I'll, I'll, honey, are you sure that's the bid you want to make? Especially because we love once around so much and you don't get a second chance to make up for that mistake. I'll just say, have, have you run the numbers on that? Do you, you realize if you get that for free, that's a 15 point tile to you. I can't let you have that for just three bucks. You have to understand, I'm going to raise the price on that. Are you sure that is the opening bid you want to make? That sounds like a very specific you thing. (laughs) It is. I I don't expect it's in any way, shape, or form normal behavior. And I should also point out, I lose to my wife 65% of the time. So Another thing I don't like about auction games, very specifically, is I hate that sometimes people don't know what's going on until the game continues on a little bit. And by that I mean, so let's say there's three thingamabobs and two whatchamacallits. And so we bid on a thingamabob. And me and Rod are going back and forth. And he bids 40, he gets it for 40. I'm like, all right, fine. Another thingamabob comes up. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get this for 40. And the price goes up to 90. And you're like, what? And I'm like, wait a minute. And all the experts at the table say, well, yes, of course it did. Because of this, this, and this. And you're like... Okay, I shouldn't be playing this game then. No, it's not even so much that. It's because... It's a perfect example of that. That happens in Reiner Knizia's Medici all the time. The things start out so small, but by the end of the game, it's the exact same thing you're bidding on, and now you're... I mean, that's very tough, and and it is very difficult and and very unfriendly. In a round, not even throughout the game, but in a round, because, you know, me, I didn't win that first one for 40. I'm like, well, I'm going to win the next one. And then the prices go higher. And then I didn't win that one. Well, I'm going to win some of these. And human nature tends to raise these things. Yeah. Kind of the same thing that drives pathological gambling. I I just need one more. One more. Yeah. I have said in the past, and I said it slightly tongue-in-cheek, so don't get upset, designers, that sometimes I feel like auctions can be a lazy design choice. Just going to ask that. This is a very common criticism that, oh, you're having the players do all of your balancing for you. Right. And so, again, I almost prefer games where the stuff's prices are set. Mm-hmm. And this is how much this costs six, this costs 10. And I got to figure out the way to manipulate those to get it. Um, I especially am not a huge fan of auctioning for turn order in a game, which actually is a whole mechanism we'll talk about later mm-hmm. because. I'm never quite sure what the value is, and I always, always, always feel like I overpaid. Unless Which I, is why unless you I appreciate don't. the blind bidding in Almanac, because it does exactly that. But you just have to pay the next lower one down, and that helps a lot. It is something, you know, to that point, you know, if the designers put a little bit more skin in the game, and actually, correct me if I'm wrong, um, doesn't uh, Power Grid does have minimum bids, right, on tiles? You have to. Yeah, it's like the next. number on the on the tile. I forget exactly what it is, but yeah, the, the minimum bids. Yep. And, I, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of games with, with minimum bids. Exactly. I, I mean, I do think probably, you know, it it is a bit cheesy for a designer not to say, hey, look, just to give you a clue, just to say, I did do some due diligence and I do understand the relative merit of these different things in a vacuum. Here's a minimum bid for this particular item. I, I think uh, more games could do with that, definitely. Medici, um, although I guess the problem with Medici is everything would have the minimum bid of the exact same number because the value of things just changed so radically based on the actions of players. Well, that's auctions. We are, we're, almost right. done, we're almost done with A's. So uh, I'm looking at this, and we will be done with this in 2021. Um, maybe. Maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> All righty, folks. It's that time. 
for top five lists. Get them ready. That's right. We didn't ask what was in front of you. Uh, that looks like Heroes, um, uh, that old Heroes game from back in time. Or I don't know. It looks like some fantasy style game. Is it? It's the uh, new reprint second edition of Maharaja. Really? I thought that would get your attention. Well, sure, but that doesn't look anything like it. It is the same. Well, bear in mind, this is a prototype, and they literally just sent me a whole bunch of portions of the board on A4. Oh, I thought it was a modular board. Do you recognize it now? Do you recognize it now? Yes, I do. I like Maharaja. That was one of the first Euro games I played that felt different. Oh, yep. oh, 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 okay. All righty, let's see here. What are we doing? Games or non-games? I think it's non-games, right? I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the problem with some of these are one of these times we're just going to have to do them not combined because, like, for example, this one, like, top five places to go for Serenity. We'll never agree on that because they're they're different for us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we'll try that one. Uh, let's see here. All right. Right, people, while I'm doing this, people need you to explain your shirt. Oh, um, well... They were on my channel, so I guess I can. This stands for Make America Think Harder. It was the um, campaign slogan for Andrew Yang when he was running for uh, President of the United States. It is a message I take near and dear to my heart. I was, I'm was i the biggest Yang ganger you can imagine. Yeah, Andrew Yang was the first politician in my life to ever inspire me so much that I donated to his campaign, and I donated quite a bit, and I'm glad he is still in the public conscious, still pushing forward the ideas, most notably of UBI, Universal Basic Income, which I've been a huge fan of for years as the necessary future of the development of humanity as a species. And so, even though he's out of the race, I just like to throw a little bit of ongoing support by representing Make America Think Harder. Got it. All right, here we go. We got top five... Arcade games. All right. Top five sci-fi movies. Top five mythical creatures. And top five childhood toys. I I am so drawn towards the geeky ones, but then invariably there's a, a, a torrent of, why with the geeky ones? Do the universal. But I did universal last time with animals. And there were quite a few people saying, oh, thank you, a universal one. And I guess childhood toys. Okay, so what were, it was childhood are you, who toys. Who are you arguing with right now? I, I re- <laughs> If for anybody, everybody is on, we're on my channel now. This is how I play. This is how I do my run-throughs. I have to deliberate everything verbally. What were the first two? It was sci-fi. Arcade games, like games you find in the classic arcades. Okay. Um, oh. uh, sci-fi movies, that's very, very broad. Mythical yeah. creatures. Um, and childhood toys. You know what? Um, I won't go super geeky with the arcade. I won't go super broad with the childhood toys. Oh, I'd love to do that one. I like sci-fi movies. That sounds fun. And that's pretty universal. Yes. Although, it's going to be a really hard one for us to agree on because there's so very many. So I'm you know, th- or it's going to be actually think about it, it's going to be really easy because there are so many touchstones as well. All right. Well, let me. No. I- okay. Childhood toys. Childhood toys. If it's not too late. All right. Child- <laughs> what do I care? Okay. Alrighty. Who? this is going to be an interesting one. Um, 
Well, let's just get the easy one right out of the way that we will both agree on 100% or else we're banned from this show. For Legos. Okay, great. That was exactly what I was about to say. Right. Exactly. Uh, and just to be clear, everyone, what he meant to say was Lego bricks. <laughs> all right? We oh, is that know. the trademark? No, you're not allowed to say. Technically, they're not called Legos. Oh, the same problem as Kleenex. You're supposed to call it facial tissue, not Kleenex. Well, no, no, no. I mean, Lego doesn't use an S in their name. I don't know why that matters. It's like Coca-Cola used to fight this, too. Like, they didn't want people calling it Coke yeah. when it, because they were afraid people get associated with the drug. And after a while, they just gave in, and they called it Coke. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll but Lego is not giving building in. Blocks, if there's any Duplo fans out there. Actually, I don't, think, I don't think you'll run into that. Of, of all the toys I've ever run into in my life, Lego fans are some of the biggest snobs. I'm like, Wait, but this duplex set is pretty cool. And they're like, no, no, not Lego. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. but they, it's, it's almost no. I'm like, okay, sorry. Now, <laughs> I will say, I, I, I think Lego is fantastic. I will say they are, they're almost like the Apple computer of toys because they know their costs, they know their prices, and I've always been disappointed because so many adults like Lego that it's hard for me as a parent to find. I, I used to go to eBay look for like cheap lots of Legos. And it's it's very difficult to do because everyone buys them up. Yeah, um, they have some really. Were they cool. super expensive when we were growing up? I yes. mean, they're a pretty high price premium toy. These they things, have right? been they've been a pricey as in my, as long as I remember. My mom bought me the generic ones, and we had fun with that. But my neighbor yeah. has had the, the castles and the pirate ships and stuff. <coughs> All right, yeah, Lego's easy. That's an easy. Yeah, that's one. the easy one. Now it gets hard. Well, I'm just going to start listing some toys, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not offering these up. These are just toys from my childhood. I really liked Transformers and GI Joe. I uh-huh. really liked um, uh, Hot Wheels and Mega Machines. Actually, the small—they're not out anymore, but I really like those. Um, of classic toys, I've always liked the Yo-Yo. I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think we should exclude sports equipment, like I, a bike. I wouldn't consider a toy. Uh, Fair enough. So, I mean, taking that stuff out, although bike bike is – otherwise, I'd put bike on the list because – Roller skates, though? Would you also consider that sports? Uh, yeah, let's take all that out because then you got okay. skateboards and basketballs and whatever. So toys yeah. – indoor toys, I think, maybe is the best way to describe it. Um, And obviously, everyone here, we're going to be kind of um, – there's no way around it. I'm just going to be fairly gender specific. I'm going to veto doll because I never play with doll except for GI Joes. Um, well, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, <laughs> you mentioned GI Joe and Transformers. Do you just, I mean, we could be very cheesy and have a generic action figure. No, that's 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 that's, not, that's, that's no, too easy. That's too easy. <laughs> um, you know, someone in here uh-huh. mentions the Star Wars figures, but I always, I have to say, I always was amazed that no one else. I'm a big G.I. Joe fan because I always felt the G.I. Joe figures were so superior to all the other action figures. Like Chewbacca's arm can just do this. But the G.I. Joe, you can manipulate the elbow and the wrists. Yeah, yeah, and... yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've got those little mini rubber rings in them. Now, nobody in G.I. Joe lets you twist the head like the R2-D2 and it goes click, 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 beep, beep, click, click. Here's that. I, no, I get that. But at the same time, <laughs> and also the G.I. Joe stuff was all the same scale. Star Wars was a little all over the place, you know, because yeah. they had the Millennium Falcon and then a Star Destroyer, and they were different sizes. I and would stuff. be willing to say that just based on sheer breadth and variety, probably it's hard not to give the crown to GI Joes for you know most impactful, most influential, biggest 
um, you know, because they went on for so many years. They did so much stuff within it. You're and you're right. I mean, they were much more useful or varied in what you could do. I mean, Transformers are neat, but you can do one thing with them, and it's really cool what you can do. But that's it. So <sighs> they are pretty strong there. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm gonna read some of the stuff people mentioned here in the in the comments because some of these are fun to talk about. There's He Man. Um, there's Lincoln Logs, Muscle Men. <laughs> I've, I've been buying my son some Muscle Men. I found them, but they're not very good toys. But they're they're fun. Erector set. Uh, Playmobil. I would only give Erector set since we've already done Lego, though. So yeah, and I also like um, Super Soakers, Nerf, Model Trains. Although I would argue real strongly, I'm not sure Model Trains are a toy because I would argue that 99 percent of the people who mess with Model Trains are above the age of 20. Slot cars, though. Slot. Oh, you know, those slot cars, those I love things, slot cars. They're not even that good, actually. No, they're terrible. <laughs> but we keep playing with them anyway. And you did mention oh, micro um, machines you know, Hot Wheels. You're right. You know, Hot Wheels, Matchbox, all of those things. One thing I'm, I'm a bit hesitant to, I mean, obviously we're both dudes. And we probably both had a preponderance of, of boy toys. And, um, you know, it's in, you just threw it out there. I kind of got to give it to the yo-yo. How, how much did you play with the yo-yo when you were, did you try to learn all the tricks? Yes, I had, I've had several yo-yos. I can feel the burn in my index finger. <laughs> right yes. And okay. So, so I, I'm surprised I even still have this finger, quite frankly. I didn't lose all blood. I learned how to rock the credit. And then when I did the yo-yo, what, what was the brand? Do you oh, remember? Geez, I don't know. It was Duncan yo-yos, man. They're the best. Okay. Well, anyway, um, so I, I could rock the cradle. I could walk the dog. I could yeah. I could walk the dog the is what everybody learns first. Well, no, the first thing you got to learn is how to make the yo-yo stay at the bottom. Oh yeah, just spin. how to how to how to how to hover and, and that then is, be able to pull it back. Up. That's that the first takes thing a to long learn. time. Yeah, and also that you need a very specific type of string. I mean, it's just it's just coming back to me, Tom. Just even thinking about, it. I haven't done this. For decades. All right, so you want to put yo-yo on the list? I Let's want to do put it. yo-yos. And I'm with you. Glow-in-the-dark yo-yos, flashy yo-yos, Hot Wheels, big um, wheel yo-yos, so much cool stuff. I mean, they, they've got worldwide international championships for yo-yo tricks and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, yo-yos. Well, I was always a little disappointed because I never got close to that. But I definitely, there was a period of my life where I walked around with a yo-yo a lot. Yep, yeah. Always have it in your pocket. Just a way to pass the time. And um, always working towards that uh, perfect uh, 360 round the world, which was my my big move I was always aiming towards. And sometimes, rarely, I could pull it off. But most of the time, I just hit myself in the head. <laughs> Someone in the comments said board games. Um, I think There we, are definitely toyish board games. You know, Hunger Island Hippos, well, they're in Crossbows the to- and wow. Catapults was fantastic. I would argue that all board games are toys to some degree. They're found in stores, yeah. toy stores. Um, but what we, about Frisbee? Get those kids out there. I mean, I guess I agree. Let's, it, it, it's close to your moratorium on sports. Again, I'm not saying they're not toys necessarily, folks, but this way we can do one in the future. We talk about that outdoor stuff. Sure. Okay. Rocking horse. No, I've always thought rocking horses were overrated. You could do one thing on them. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess they're good for, uh, um, uh, yeah, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, a role playing and all of that. Wow, some oh. of the things people are saying. Creepy crawlers. I forgot about those. Oh, uh, magic sets. Um, Tonka trucks. Magic. Oh, my gosh. I had a Tonka truck. When I was 
I've, I've seen pictures of it. I barely remember it. But when I was small enough to spit in the back of a tonk in the dump truck of a Tonka truck and just go down steep hills in the 70s. And it was far too dangerous. No parent would let their kid do this today. But it was very standard back then. I love that a lot. But that's probably very personal to me. Um, um, another one from my childhood that I love to pieces, my old speak and spell. Uh, okay, I got it. Close to the computer. What, oh, you don't know what a speak and spell is? I think this might have been before my time. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that one, hugely educational, inspires an interest in computer sciences, has m- mini games built into it, super tough, practically indestructible, um, talks to you, is your best friend. And, you know, it was it was Siri and Alexa. Oh, shoot, I shouldn't say that. Nope, Alexa, no. Cancel. <laughs> Um, Alexa, play the Dice Tower. Um, <laughs> the latest episode, TDT number 657. Oh my goodness. Hey, I just posted that today. Alexa, stop. <laughs> Alexa, stop. <laughs> All right. Um, See, that would never happen with a speak and spell. Speak and spell cannot be hacked. The electronic toy that I loved as a kid was that Namco... Football. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I played dad to dad. I hated sports, but I love those things to pieces. Yeah, it was just something about beating the computer at it. I used to play all those ones, but they had the the different, you know, I I had a baseball one we played as a kid that we played all the time. And I don't remember what it was called, but it was like, it was, it was before Game Boys were popular. Honestly, I don't know. See, electronic devices are tough to stick in here, too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're 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 practically video games, you know. Teddy Ruxpin, <laughs> <laughs> Spirograph. I did like Spirograph a lot. Oh, geez, yeah, I did a lot of those as a young kid. And um, what was that? What was that? Uh, Lightbright. Ooh, I did like Lightbright a lot. Etch a Sketch, Lightbright. Um, man, I love Lightbright. Oh, you know what? I'm I'm looking at the uh, chat. I think we have our next one that we can't ignore, marbles. I feel like marbles might be before my time, though. Like, oh, I, my gosh. In like, I play with marbles. Marbles were the number one form of currency for kids. I mean, I mean, it, it was, you know, decades before Magic the Gathering and Yu-Gi-Oh! or whatever, where, you know, it was all about getting out on the playground. Did you play with marbles, circle, though? Playing marbles, marbles playing for keepsies. Keepsies. Tom keepsies. No, no, no. I get that. Um, I, I had marbles too, but I usually use them for marble ramps and stuff. Nobody played marbles when I was a kid at that point. Oh, it's too late. All right. Well, if they're not universal, I, I, I'm coming back to G.I. Joe's. I have to admit. Oh, I already wrote that down. Oh, you did? Okay. This is what All I right. had so far. I have Lego, G.I. Joe, Yo-Yo's. We have three. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Uh, I did have an Easy Bake Oven. Did you? I really liked it. I was always see. This is one of those times where I was as a kid. I was, I very rarely cared what my sisters had. Right? I don't want to play with their dolls or Barbie and stuff. Yeah. But I wanted to play with the Easy Bake Oven. It was fascinating <laughs> to me. And I was like, well, I guess it's a girl's toy, you know. But I wanted to mess with it. And and nowadays I look at it and I think it's a light bulb. I bet it's amazing what you can do with a light bulb. 
I would put that on the list if you want. I'm inclined to put it on the list. I'm fine with it because as a kid, it super impressed me. All right, let's do that. Yeah, let's... and I had one and I loved it. I mean, it unfortunately didn't in, um, you know, instill a lifelong uh, love of baking in me, but I really did like it at the time. <laughs> Jordan says that Rado grew up in the 30s. Um... <laughs> I am 51 years young this year. Garbage Pail Kids, that's funny. Uh, I still remember my dad bought me a pack of Garbage Pail Kids because he thought that the, the cover was funny, and then he opened it up. Um, we do have a ton of kids, Tom. I mean, I'm obviously out of touch with anything from... Yeah, I'm not picking years. stuff now. And also, it's really weird how toys have morphed and stuff to... Um, there's so much electronics, but there's still stuff that's pretty universal. My son still likes Hot Wheel, Matchbox, type whatever that is, you know. It's kind of hard to ignore Hot Wheels or just Matchbox cars in general. It's funny, though. There, I saw, I saw some people in the comments already were like, oh, Matchbox, not Hot Wheel. For me, it was 100% Hot Wheel. Because their cars... Uh, Hot Wheels was the premium brand. Well, it's because Matchbox... <laughs> Matchbox was the rest of us. Well, Matchbox like looked nice. Oh, I'm sorry, what? I'm kidding. I remember Hot Wheels were a dollar. That was the thing. Um, but the Hot Wheel cars, they raced really well. <laughs> I just saw somebody walk by, run by in the chat for me. Hoop and stick. I loved my hoop and stick. <laughs> uh, we went to... When I was a kid, we went to a farm one time where they showed us old toys, and one of them was a hoop and stick. And after doing it for about a minute, I thought, why? Why are these people saying nothing else? That's when you realize just how lucky you were to be alive when you were, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you, I remember you talk about marbles. When I was a kid, there was a very brief period where they made squarbles or squarebles. They were square marbles, and then you had this little shooter <clears> device, and you would shoot them, but you could stack them and stuff. Um. But let's see. What about, I mean, just getting back to kind of universality and, you know, somewhat, you know, uh, you know, triggering mental synapses, uh, you know, and growing beyond just doing play. What about Play-Doh? Okay, I'll agree on Play-Doh from the perspective of my childhood. Loved it. Thought it was really cool. As an adult parent, I want to burn the Play-Doh company to the ground. Because you're worried about the kids eating it? I don't care if they eat it. I wish they would. <laughs> um, no, uh, Play-Doh just gets everywhere. Oh, also, I see. it's like I buy the kids. I'm like, hey, here's a whole collection. You got 10 colors. I come back three days later. They now have one color. Brown. And, but it's so neat. I remember making spaghetti out of Play-Doh. Yeah, all those push toys. They're making the, the star The hair comes out of the head. I'll, I'll yeah. agree on Play-Doh. Again, just yep, yep. giving that. All right, fine. There, that's easy enough. Play-Doh, All easy right. oven. We've done it. Yo-Yo's, G.I. Joe, and Lego box. Only Which only goes to show no good toys have been invented in the last 30 years. Now, well, electronics definitely have come around. Toys yeah. themselves are, are still pretty neat, but they don't change too much, honestly. Kids still play with trucks and dolls and yeah, stuffed yeah. animals. There is a universality to it. It's true. Um, I think we have time for one question, Tom. <laughs> yeah, people are agreeing that parents hate Play-Doh. <laughs> How about silly putty? I like that too. To put on a newspaper. Well, that's a good one. Oh, I didn't think of that. Although I don't know, does the Sunday paper still have color comics that you can make copies of anymore? I'm huh? sorry. What are you talking about when you say Sunday paper? Okay, there you go. So, but, but yes, I don't know actually. Um, come on, folks, get a question in there, and you'd be the only one with a question. Yep. Uh, oh, I see somebody's just. I thought about Nerf guns. 
I'll be honest, I felt a little bit, I don't know about putting guns on the list. I mean, we already have G.I. Joe. Well, we'll have to wait till we get to the outdoor one because then we can argue whether Nerf or, or water guns are better. Um, Slip and slide trumps all if you want to talk outdoors. <laughs> I have 30. I have 30 unique Etch-a-Sketches. Oh, Etch-a-Sketch. No, we're done. People ask a question. Time is ticking. Yeah, I mean, so far the only question I got are two questions that we get all the time. So I'm trying to think. I'm trying to get something you else. You could do one of those. You know those things you, you used to do a lot with Sam and Z, that you know, rapid fire thing? Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Let's do rapid fire. All right. Give us two things, and we'll go back and forth real quick. Uh, well, right. assuming assuming we can do real quick. Um, so you could even do toys if that makes you feel better. Um, you know, there's uh, two things, and then we'll have to pick one or the other. And um, Yeah, like and we'll Star, Trek versus Star Trek or Star Wars, you know, that kind of stuff. But then it takes 30 seconds for them to get going. That's true. And and they can't give up the toys. This was truly a universal topic. I do like talking about toys, you know, because it's a fun thing. Uh, and that's why one of the reasons Toy Story is so popular, because of that, that whole toy aspect. Um, walk to school or carry your lunch? That's the same thing. Well, I guess we could say carry your lunch, uh, carry your lunch or cafeteria. I'll go cafeteria. Uh, cafeteria too. No offense to mom and dad. Sorry. Burgers or hot dogs? Burger. Hot dogs. Um, salt or pepper? Pepper. Pepper. Potatoes or sweet potatoes? Potatoes. Amen to that. Yeah. Fiduti or Katala? Oh. Katala. I like Fiduti, but Bruno, uh, Bruno Katala I has think a I much have better. To as well, just for volume. Yeah, Katala. Super soakers or water balloons? Water balloons, hands down. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you just, with that new tool you can do that just makes them so fast. I was I just going to say, you said no, no new toy has been invented. That self-tying water balloon is one of yeah. the most important inventions in the past decade. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mr. Potato Head or Slinky? Oh, Mr. Potato Head? And oh, I'll, Slinky. I'll tell you why. I guess if you didn't grow up in a house with stairs, but no, Slinky. No, I totally. love Slinkies, but I never had a Slinky that lasted more than a week. Tacos or burritos? Burritos. Tacos. Ninja or Samurai? Oh, they crunch. They fall apart. They make a mess. I love them. Ninjas or Samurai? Ninjas or Samurai? Um, uh, Samurai, because I think we culturally have a better understanding of what they actually were, whereas nobody knows what real ninjas were, and real ninjas are kind of boring. Okay, well, even if we do, even if we go by fantasy stuff, I'll pick Samurai because I like that they have a coat of honor. Yeah. Um, Pogs or Beanie Babies? Uh, I don't like either. Um, I'm too old. Sorry. I guess Pogs. Uh, Beanie Babies, I hate it the way people went over them. Constructs or Micro Machines? Man, I love both of them. I'll go with Constructs. Soda with ice or without? Neither. I cannot stand carbonated beverages. Ugh. It just feels like acid going down my throat. I don't drink them very often, but I guess I'd rather have it with ice. I don't know. I guess with, so that it kind of cuts the carbonation out some. Ooh, Stargate movie or series? That's a hard call. Uh, movie for me, because I've never seen a single episode of Stargate, the series. Yeah, any of any of its implementations. Uh, see, I just never got around to it. Just missed the boat, and then, oh, there's too much. I can't jump in now. It's really cool. All right, Ex- ooh, Excalibur or Mjolnir? <laughs> it has to be Mjolnir. Is that, is that Sorry, Mjolnir? Black Knight in Marvel Comics. 
your weapon is no good compared <laughs> to a big flat hammer. Oh, okay, cabbage or broccoli? Broccoli. Yes, broccoli. However, I will say cabbage has some pretty cool spinoffs like pickled cabbage, coleslaw, and um, uh, kimchi. Okay. Uh, let's see. Magic the Gathering or D&D? That's a... Oh. Uh, D&D. I think so, D&D. That's... Yeah, yeah. Hash browns or mashed potatoes? Hash browns. Nice and crispy. Oh, it depends on the mood I'm in. They're both potatoes, and potatoes are amazing. All right, unfortunately, it is three. We'll be back in a week, oh. folks. Time went by fast, but we had a good time. And yep. next week, we'll take a little bit less time talking about the mechanisms, and we'll we'll get into stuff. And it will be on the Dice Tower channel, so go yes. and check there. Well, that's the stuff for both of us. You got any upcoming things you want to mention? Man, you I, you always keep surprising me with that question. It's and not a surprise. Um, just today... <laughs> For folks who are interested in the evolution of Rotto Runs Through, Shay Parker's second run through on my channel went live for a game, um, Sea of Legends. Although actually I, uh, put up another run through that went today for another Kickstarter that just went live, um, Steamfall Genesis. So now they both went up the same day and you can contrast and compare. Who do you like better, Rotto or Shay? Oh, oh, I know. Okay. Anyhow, folks, <laughs> thanks so much for watching. We'll see you all in a week. Until then, I'm Tom Vassell. I'm Rado. Have fun gaming.